Rambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Oh, welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. We're live in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. If you need to gear up for Texas Tech football, which is 20, 21, 20 days away. 20. Danny Amendola, Danny. Danny Amendola, days away. I still remember chanting Danny. I don't know if everyone uh, remembers that, but that was one of my highlights in, in uh, when was that? High school. Chanting Danny when he was punting, returning punts. Anyways, if you want to gear up for Texas Tech football, which is just 20 days away, uh, you can do so at Cardinal Sports Center. You can also get yourself some cleats, or if you're going to be playing baseball this fall, get you a couple of bats, gloves. If you're going to be playing football, you can get some Gloves and cleats, whatever you need to do to gear up, you can gear up at Cardinal Sports Center, mycardinalsports.com, or in person right outside the loop in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, people are very excited we started on time, that it's a Christmas miracle uh, at 8.06, exactly. Kyle, how you doing? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. <laughs> Did I get to you promptly enough? Yeah, and I'm Kyle Jacobson. Happy to be Rob's co-host. Just hanging out tonight. I'm happy to be your co-host, Kyle. Uh, we do have a game to watch tonight that I didn't even prepare for. I did prepare, but then I forgot that we were preparing for it. Hey, quick question for you, Rob. Uh-huh. Uh, do you mind if all of our listeners out there just have an evening? I would love for them to. How about an entire week? I want them to have a great three weeks leading up to the uh, football season. All right, we're going to rewatch the 2015 Texas game in Austin, Texas at Joe Jamail Field. As it says on the wall there. No longer. Oh, that's right. I think he was posthumously canceled. What is it now? I think it's Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams Field. That's right. That's right. That was in uh, 2021 they flipped it over? 22? Somewhere around there. Joe Jamail, he had some good one-liners. One of my favorite quotes from him, he's this famous attorney, and I guess he lost a case in, like, I think it was Connecticut. And upon leaving the courtroom, he was doing media interviews, and he said, I'd rather have a nose on my ass than ever step foot in Connecticut again. So, well, that's quite the picture. This game features the 6-5 and five Red Raiders and the 4-7 and seven. Texas Longhorns. And this was our Super Bowl. This was our Super Bowl. Showing these Gerard Hurd highlights, but it was Tyrone Swoops all night, if I recall. Maybe, I think Hurd got a couple snaps. The 18-wheeler package. Yeah. I was at this game. Were you? Yeah, so I didn't have to listen to Tim Brando. No offense. I had to, and offense taken. (laughs) It was... Yeah, I can't remember if it was Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving, but you see here they, you know, they shot the cannons 
And because it was, it was not raining, but it was like drizzling and there's just kind of a moisture in the air. And I swear that smoke or that fog from the opening run out lingered for almost the entire first half, at least how I remember it. And then they did it again to start the second half. So there was just like this fog the whole game. I thought it looked really cool. Noted Longhorns fan, Kyle. I think he was there in his Texas Tech capacity. This isn't that long. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was wearing tech gear. Don't worry. Already a student and uh, graduated by then? Yeah. I was done by then. So there you go. Uh, I can smell Tim Brando's hair dye through the stream, Mr. Root says. Nice lid, Bruce Feldman. What is that? <laughs> like, messed up in the rain <laughs> full suit and a baseball cap what are we doing a dad cap at that some floppy front hat <laughs> I do not look good in those dad hats I don't have the right shaped head I need a full bodied hat Kyle Charlie Strong uh, coaching this game against Cliff Kingsbury what a what a tenure for him. Dude, I, I really don't get it. It just I mean he was a good coach. Yeah. He he got hired from Louisville like right after they won a sugar bowl or an orange bowl or something. Like they were Big East champs, won a major bowl game against Florida. He goes to a school that should be a step up in resources and talent and just bombs. I I don't know. These uniforms are so good. I just, I just don't understand why those aren't the full-time uniforms. Yeah, and if you'll recall, we wore these earlier in the season on the road at Arkansas and played a really good game, won that game. Um, spoiler alert, Texas Tech wins this game. And this was the year that it looked like you were on a collision course for A&M in the Texas Bowl, and they probably dodged you. But um, – I think in 1976 is the only year back in the Southwest Conference days that you beat Arkansas, Texas, and A&M in the same season. And A&M, unfortunately, robbed you of an opportunity to complete that trifecta. The You mentioned the Arkansas game. What was the cliff quote after that one? Uh, you, don't, you don't like teams with fullbacks? He said that at a coach's clinic – of some sort over the offseason, Brett Bielema was speaking at the coaches' clinic, and he said, if you don't line up with a fullback, we'll kick your ass. If you don't line up with a tight end, we'll kick your ass. And he said, you know, we didn't line up with either and kick their ass. Um, then he said they were playing A&M the next week, Arkansas was, and Cliff said something about, like, A&M's not going to line up with a fullback either, and he's probably going to get his ass kicked next week too. And I think A&M won that game because A&M had Arkansas's number for a few years there. Yeah. That was like – the only time we ever saw Cliff get fiery, and I liked it. Thought we could have used more of that. More, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, how about that? The future Red Raider, John Bonney. Future Red Raider. <laughs> future former Red Raider. Yeah, future former. Played safety. So we've watched a couple of these games. We've actually watched a couple of Cliff games. But this is our first Mahomes game. Yeah, that's right. Greatest player in the history of football. Yeah. What a throw. What a read. Is that Sadler? No, that wasn't Sadler. That was Devin Lauderdale. No, eight. 
Giles or Tony Brown. I can't tell if that's eight or nine. It's probably Jonathan Giles in 15. I think Sadler had some good. We hit Sadler on a flea flicker in this game. Hey, look, we're lining up with a, an H-back. I don't know if Bielema would count that as a fullback or not. The running back just got smoked. And we got our ass kicked for a one-yard loss. That's what we get for lining up with a fullback. You know Cliff did that on purpose. Yeah. That was a duck from Mahomes on that last throw. Yeah, Giles, number nine. That should have been a touchdown. He was wide open. Ball was probably wet. Yeah, obviously. We're cruising on the first drive. Two minutes in, we're on the 31-yard line. I don't, I don't remember. Remember more about the second half in this game. Quarterback draw. Second and 11 quarterback draw with Patrick Mahomes. I don't know, man. That was a straight-up draw, too. That wasn't like a busted play. No. The comment section is giving you some differences between Ian Sadler and Jonathan Giles there, Kyle. Do what? They're giving you some physical differences. Hey, it's a small screen, and I'm looking at like 420p right here. So I, it some of those differences don't stand out as much. And the smoke is still over the field. Fourth and nine after an incomplete pass. The people are asking about the uh, the blue squares, Kyle. Can we? What blue squares? You want to talk about them at all coming out tomorrow? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, me neither. You don't want to tease that at all? Tease what? Okay. <laughs> By the time this publishes, we'll uh, we'll have something out. I don't know what we're going to have out, but I'll trust the process. Going for it on fourth and nine. Picked off. Jakeem Grant open. He throws him over by uh, – overthrows him by 15 yards. It was a good INT, though, because had it just fallen incomplete, we would have given up about five more yards of field position. The old arm punt. He threw it like a grenade, too. That was awesome. <laughs> Dylan Haynes, I think he's Texas Tech's all-time career leader in interceptions. Which, when you think about some of the DBs that have gone through there, how that guy, no offense, you know, respectfully, but how he has more INTs than, like, Michael Huff, Michael Griffin, Aaron Ross, that's kind of crazy. He's Texas's? I think that's right. I think – or at least he left Texas, I think, as a career leader in INTs. But we can look I'm, that up somehow. I might be way off base. So it is Gerard Hurd getting the start. But Swoops plays the whole game, doesn't he? Pretty much, yeah. I don't think Hurd plays well, that I much. But they always did that. Th- that This era, they just could not find a quarterback. No. What yeah, they really call in- Swoops package, the 18-wheeler? Yeah. Yeah, really between Colt McCoy and Sam Mellinger. They kind of had David Ash. I thought he would have been good, but he just couldn't stay healthy. Well, Case McCoy, too, same way. Yeah, he stunk. And he was hurt the whole time. Noodle arm. Um, the Johnny Manziel doc came out this week. Watched that. Really enjoyed it. Um, he mentioned part of the reason that Mac Brown got fired 
he didn't mention it directly, but it was kind of a, a key theme there for a minute in the documentary. He wanted to go to Texas, but they just did not offer him. I think they finally offered him maybe as a safety or something. Is that part of the story there? They didn't say that in the doc. Yeah, I don't think they said that in the documentary. But they just did not uh, offer Johnny Manziel, so he ends up going to A&M. Uh, good for him, though. What, what were your overall thoughts on the documentary? I thought it was going to be multiple episodes like the Manti Teo untold. Because um, they kind of glossed over a lot. Like, they didn't talk about his Canadian Football League or American Association of Football, whatever that AF acronym was. Um, they talked a little bit about a domestic assault allegation against somebody he was dating at the time, but he was also married and divorced. So I felt like they could have drawn it out. It was like a hundred miles an hour for an hour and 10 minutes. And like, that was it. And so I was kind of actually left wanting a little bit more in depth on some of that. Um, so yeah, that was kind of an initial takeaway and it kind of stopped short of, sort of a full on redemption story. Cause I don't really know what he's up to today. I don't, it didn't say like, and now Manziel is 12 months sober or anything like that. So like, I don't know if we like to join the opening scene. I don't remember that. I must've missed that. Like setting up outside. Maybe it's an old, it's old footage, but he lit something up outside. Huh? No, I didn't. I don't remember that at all. I had the same takeaways. I it was way too fast. Like it was good. I liked the Cliff quotes. I was kind of surprised Cliff did it. Uh he kind of has been a recluse. Uh Eric Burkhart, little known fact, we had him booked twice, once for the Rob Bro show, once for the Gauchos, and then we just could never make it happen. Well, he's got other stuff to do, like catch passes at Manzel's Pro Day. Um you, you said you liked Cliff's quotes? Well, I like that Cliff was involved. What did you what did you think about how Cliff was depicted as Manziel's coach? That he just kind of let him do whatever he wanted and didn't really coach him? Is that what you thought? I think at the time Cliff was Cliff was only OC at Houston for one year, right, before going to AM with Sumlin. Yeah. So he's a second year offensive coordinator and this was a theme for like a lot of people that Manziel's rise to stardom over a three-month period in 2012 Manziel wasn't ready for it A&M wasn't ready for it the NCAA wasn't ready for it and I think the documentary showed that Cliff wasn't ready for it I think that he had a very immature and, and naive approach to trying to coach Johnny Manziel not on the field but with the off the field stuff because he kind of had this you know, as long as Johnny shows up and plays, we don't really care if he's hung over. We don't really care what he does when he leaves practice. And it wasn't really detrimental to AM's season because Manziel won the Heisman. I think they won 11 games in a Cotton Bowl. But clearly in the long run, that was not in Manziel's best interest to have a hands-off approach like that. And I think with a decade of hindsight and another decade of coaching under his belt, Cliff probably would – look back on that a little bit differently and say, okay, I'm dealing with a 19, 20 year old here that nobody knew his name, 
and now he's the front runner for the Heisman. Like we probably need to install some sort of guardrails off the field, and because every time Manziel screwed up, it was just it would pan to Sumlin going, "Yeah, well, you know, he needs to do better," and we don't condone that. But there's no suspension, there's no change in behavior, and so I don't think that I think there's a time to go hands off a little bit, but during a 20-year-old's meteoric rise to being the sport's face and number one superstar is probably not that time, especially when you know that he has issues with like alcohol at the very least. I don't know about his drug use at that point in time, but that was kind of Cliff's philosophy was like, if you ball out on Saturday afternoons, I kind of don't care about what you do the rest of the time. And I don't think that served Manziel well at all. Well, it worked the first year, but it certainly didn't work after Cliff left. And I'm pretty sure it was run the same way. <clears throat> they went eight and four the second year. Uh, in the game, the end of the first quarter, did they miss that kick or did they not get the kick off in time? I thought they had another down left. You were talking, but it was fourth down. Each team has had one possession in the first quarter. It's zero to zero. Yeah, they're kicking the field goal now. We might have missed a possession or two from the fast forward. Oh, maybe so. But yeah, scoreless first quarter. Which I didn't remember. This was a high scoring game, so So the first points come in the second quarter with a field goal. Yeah, this game's gonna be like fifty to fifty here in a couple of minutes and it's zero zero into the first quarter. Three zero uh four seconds into the second. A lot of empty seats. <laughs> Is that your takeaway? Well, I just you know, for being the Big, bad Texas Longhorns and all that. You'd think they could sell out a home game on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, Big Hen says, I loved Johnny when I was 18, but looking back, he was such a loser. Yeah. I was never all in on Johnny Manziel. Um course i was an a&m hater still am but he had an nfl offensive line an nfl receiver and mike evans that he just threw the ball up to and closed his eyes he was certainly a good player he probably deserved the heisman that year with one of the weakest classes of all time in manti teo middle linebacker and colin klein but yeah i tend to agree what do you think about the, one of the other big themes was, oh, this play is crazy. Lottie hits the guy who would have picked it off, bounces into Jakeem's hands, immaculate reception. I forgot that was like the first play in the second quarter after the field goal. Yeah, they'll show this replay. So Mahomes overshoots Devin Lauderdale, but Devin Lauderdale decks this guy, pops the ball loose, and Jakeem Grant is trailing behind. He catches it and houses it. Like easy interception. That was an absolute – Duck. Let's see. Here it is. Oh, this is a good view. Way inside. Awesome. Just left it short for Lauderdale. The tip drill. This and Little People Big World are one of the two of the most iconic plays from the Mahomes era that get shown a bunch. Just like that. Score this first quarter. Now we've got 10 points combined in the first 32 seconds of the second quarter. 
Um, one of the other underlying themes, and this is where I sympathize with Manziel, he did become like not only was he the Heisman winner, somebody wins a Heisman every year, but Manziel, I would put up there with like Tim Tebow and Reggie Bush in terms of superstardom. Like Troy Smith won a Heisman and never scratched the surface on star power that these other guys did. Oh, yeah. And so there's a, there was always this narrative before NIL, like, oh, well, they're profiting off the backs of these student athletes. And that was true a little bit of most guys. But with Manziel, it was really true. Like they were making millions. And they talked about A&M. Their fundraising surpassed – it was like by $300 million it had surpassed any other calendar year. And Manziel was directly responsible for, if not all of that, a lot of it. And so, like, how do you quantify his exact value? I don't know, but it, his market value is probably in the tens of millions per year, and he's getting zero. You know, they made it sound all scandalous that he was signing autographs for a few thousand bucks. And like, that's the bare minimum of what he should have been getting. And so I was – considering what his tenure would have been like had NIL existed and they could have put Manziel on the back of any of those jerseys and he got a cut from it. And if he could have legally signed all these autographs, um, would that have kind of tampered the sense that there's an ax to grind and well, cause this is a lot, this isn't allowed. I just, I'm going to go do it more and rebel more. What do you think would have been different about Manziel's, trajectory had NIL been allowed at the time. He certainly wouldn't have his deep seated hatred for uh who was that number three? JJ Gaines. That uh, the NCAA that he holds for the NCAA. I but I don't know how I don't know how much his career would have been different in the moment if he had NIL. He still would have had all the cash. Um sure he wouldn't have been as upset with the NCAA and I th- I think a good point that some people have brought up is why does Reggie Bush get his Heisman taken away? I know he volunteered it back, but Johnny Manziel gets to keep his with all the autographs he signed. But I, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how Johnny. Man- I understand what you're getting at, but I don't know how Johnny Manziel's life would have been different because Johnny Manziel is Johnny Manziel. I think it just would have done away with some of the cover-up of all this like he could have said like yeah I like to party and you know not change that wouldn't have changed but the whole NCAA investigation and his friend having to make up a story that oh I come from oil money that's why I have a Rolex all that would could have just been on the table and right out in public and so again like you saw the alcohol and drug use and all that but because he was talking about the NCAA stuff around the same time that his mentality changed going into year two at A&M when he was like, you know, F your practice, I'm the best player in the country. So I wonder how much of that would have been there and if it would have changed his work ethic. Because then he could say, like, hey, I made a million dollars on NIL last year. You know, I could make five million this year if I – I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have changed much in the in the grand scheme of things. I still don't think he was mature enough to make it as an NFL quarterback at the time. But it might have made his college career a little bit less scandalous and – Maybe he gets drafted higher into a better situation than Cleveland. You know, he talked about in the back of his mind, he knew as soon as he got to Cleveland that he didn't want to be there. Um, So I don't know. Maybe it would have made a small change. Maybe it would have netted the exact same result. But it was something I was certainly thinking about. Like a lot of guys get told they're a victim of 
no NIL back in that era, but it's like, no, Johnny Manziel is kind of the ultimate. He stood to make a lot of money. Some backup linebacker at A&M wasn't going to make any money on NIL. Manziel probably had millions, like literal millions taken yeah. away from him in, in opportunity costs by way of NIL not being allowed at the time. When he made, what they say? They did the autographs for five months, 30000 a pop. I mean, that's what Tyler Shuck's making. I mean, just imagine what Johnny could make today. It would be ridiculous. Or think about a that offseason after his Heisman campaign. He could have done oh, yeah. a Johnny Manziel football camp every weekend in the offseason, charged families, you know, 250 bucks for a, a day and a half over the weekend, would have made money hand over fist. Not even probably just going to, you know, take a picture with his thumbs up and maybe teach him how to throw a pass for five minutes and leave. I mean, like his dollars per hour at a football camp like that would have been insane. Do you think he would have shown up if it was his branded camp though? I don't know. Probably not. He did show up to coach at the uh, Manning passing Academy. This was the other thing that I, I didn't think looked good for Cliff was there was all this noise about Johnny Manziel, his Heisman season, but because he was a redshirt freshman, Sumlin had the policy that he can't talk to media. And so Manziel never had an opportunity to clear anything up, tell his side of the story. So that probably just allowed things to fester and sort of balloon further out of control. I don't know if Manziel would have helped or if he would have just thrown gas on the fire. But as you know, Cliff, when he got to Tech, implemented the exact same policy. And thankfully, we didn't have any Manziels on the roster in, in the off-field sense. I wish we had Manziels on the roster from what the what he could do between the lines. But I think, again, Cliff was such a young and inexperienced head coach. He was probably just like, oh, well, the last guy I worked for had this policy, so I guess it's a smart thing to do. And If a guy is the face of your team and the face of college football, he needs to be available to the media. And so I, that was another thing that I thought was mishandled in hindsight. Especially if he's your starting quarterback, like Patrick Mahomes after the Baylor game. Like, go ahead and let that freshman talk. Uh, another field goal from Clayton Hatfield. 10 to 3. 8.25 left in the second. Um, Kansas State uh, potentially, allegedly moving to Under Armour. Uh, their fans split on it. We heard, and I don't remember where we heard this. Could have been it could have been somebody publicly, or maybe somebody told us off the books. I don't know. Um, but I thought I had heard that Under Armour was moving away from team athletics and going toward the pro market and focusing on big schools like Notre Dame. But that just does not seem like what they're doing. That was Marshawn Lynch in the wild card round against the Saints level. Get Get off me. I think that was 95 yards. Chris Warren, some insane stat that Chris Warren had like 45% of his production against Texas Tech in his career. Yeah. 
I'm gonna go look up his game logs. Sorry to interrupt there, but he just made us look foolish to tie it up at 10. And that wasn't his last one. He's going to have a couple more of those before the night is over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen a split. I think Kansas State fans hate the idea of going to Under Armour, and I don't blame them. Um, and, yeah, I thought they were going away from team deals as well, but I think – I think Nike is – I don't know. I, I don't have a good understanding of this. I've only seen what other people discuss, so I don't know how credible some of this is. But the way I understand it is since we were one of Under Armour's first and kind of flagship schools, they pay us a little bit to wear Under Armour. But a lot of these other schools, like, yeah, the big schools probably get paid to wear Nike, like Ohio State, Texas, whoever. Others, it's either like a break even, like the gear is supplied for free. Or I think Cincinnati pays to be Jordan brand slash Nike. And so maybe it was a deal that Nike used to throw in a little bit or used to provide it for free. And they were telling Kansas State, no, we're going to start charging now. Maybe Under Armour lowballed them. And I don't think this is confirmed. Um, but, yeah, I thought that we were going to see fewer Under Armour team deals. And I'm, if that's true, I'm, of course, expecting Texas Tech to move away from it. I don't know what options will be available to us. I, I think you and I are on the same page that we want a Mahomes Adidas kind of deal. I'm just going to go ahead and manifest that. It's going to happen. I'm with you. Manifest, manifest, manifest. When the Under Armour deal is up, Texas Tech will be an Adidas school. It just makes so much sense. It's painfully but obvious. Mahomes is Mahomes is not the – so Crabtree went pro and kind of, I don't want to say forgot about Tech, but – kind of didn't care about tech. Mahomes is still all in on Texas Tech. He's tweeting about us all the time. and He wears it to work out in, even when the cameras are, well, they're on, but they're always on in his life. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like he's at the Final Four. He's at his Ring of Honor induction, all that good stuff. I feel like he would want his brand on his alma mater's uniforms, and, like, he can make that happen. I don't know if we'll get paid to wear it like we are with Under Armour, allegedly. Surely he would at least comp it and say, Texas Tech doesn't have to pay to wear this. But yeah, I, I'm with you. And I, to be honest, it chaps my hide that we've been with Under Armour as long as we have. I think that there's just no, no vision for it. I'm not trying to be overly critical of the athletics department, but I feel like we signed that deal a long time ago and everybody's just happy to be content with it and stick with Under Armour and isn't really looking at the long-term implications of that. I don't want to overstate it, but Under Armour is viewed as a secondary brand to Nike and Adidas. Right. So when like athletes, to me, it sounds stupid, but athletes, it makes a difference to them what kind of shoe they're wearing. A lot of them don't want to wear Under Armour shoes. And a lot of people just, even if like the throwback uniforms are Under Armour, those look good. People go, well, it's Under Armour, so I don't like it. I think that's kind of weird, but that's that's reality. And I think that we've not been very proactive in looking elsewhere. And even if they pay you, I don't know what it is. I'm just going to make a number. But if they pay you $3 million a year to wear Under Armour, right. I don't know if it's worth it. Of course, it's easy for me to say, oh, just turn down the $3 million. But I don't know. I, I really want to see a change soon. Nobody has ever really answered for it. They just go, oh, we, have a, we have a relationship with Under, Under Armour. We're committed to – and it's just – political speak and I, I, I kind of hate it. I would love to move on if we're being real. Yeah. You said something 
without really saying it there, I'm going to double down on it. Fans shouldn't care how much the university makes wearing anything. You you don't get the like you don't get a percentage of it, fans. Like we don't get kickbacks on if they make an like if the athletic department has a bonus surplus at the end, fans don't get the money. Like why do we care how much money everyone's making on everything? Why like I get it, I, I get it, but at a certain point they're making millions of dollars. I, I don't know. I just I I don't ever get caught up in the money of it. I just want to I just want the cool stuff. Well again, we just this is kind of different but kind of the same. Having Johnny Manziel on their team didn't directly put dollars in A&M's pocket, but it certainly did indirectly. Like it increased donations, it increased ticket sales, it increased merchandise sales. And so that there's like the top line dollar amount and then there's the value and the value of being associated with this guy right here, Patrick Mahomes, almost can't be quantified. But I, if if you're allowing yourself to be nickel and dime by unarmed, oh well, it's hard for us to turn down two point five million dollars when you could be aligning with the greatest player of a generation. Then like that, that's worth more than two and a half million dollars, in my opinion. We've got to think a little bit bigger here. Yeah, it, especially if you're look thinking long term. You make three million, like that's exactly what you're saying. But I'm just gonna say it again. You get uh, three million in one year, or a lifetime of experience with Patrick Mahomes for the next ten years. So Think about in. a high school quarterback right now watching Patrick Mahomes in the league. Which, by the way, Patrick Mahomes just ran one in to make it seventeen to ten, pending the extra point. Let's say there's some fourteen year old kid out there right now who idolizes Patrick Mahomes. And he's the next Johnny Manziel, or he's the next Patrick Mahomes himself. He wants to go to tech just like Mahomes. He wants to wear the Mahomes logo. Do you think that's going to net you $3 million in the long run if some Heisman caliber superstar wants to come to your school? And I'm not saying that would be the make or break, but if it's like another factor that helps get some elite quarterback on your campus, having players like that is worth more than $3 million a year, whatever Under Armour is holding you hostage for. Do you think Mahomes would get um, some kind of jersey, say, like Cliff had in his original contract? Maybe. I I want to do this, but my name's on the logo. I want it to look like this. You're not going to tell him no. Right. It's just a matter of if he wants it or not. Like, here's the jersey. Here's my logo. It's going on this classic jersey look. 3D double T, but this look with the stripes on the sleeves. I'll tell you one of my, probably one of my least favorite Jersey combos that we could possibly roll out is red, red, white. But if Mahomes said, I want the red Raiders to look like the chiefs, y'all wear red, red, white for every home game. I'd be like, okay, if that means getting the Mahomes logo and that's what he wants and whatever, like I'm not going to think that it looks as good as all black or whatever, but if that's what he says, then cool. If we go here's uh Bruce Feldman <laughs> so dumb, man. <laughs> That's a free FS1 giveaway hat. What is he what is he what is he doing? Looks like Rob Lowe in the NFL lid. He's repping Fox Sports One. He's got it way up so the shadow's not on his face. It's amazing. Um I don't I don't remember what I was just about to say. <laughs> that hat was too distracting. 
as we went to halftime. Oh, if they fix the red, I'd be down with red, red, white. If it's the bright red like the Chiefs. The Chiefs look good, red, red, white. Yeah, they do. But this like metallic deep red on a on a red shirt uniform, I that does not do it for me. So at halftime of this game, um Jimmy Vaughn, the brother of Stevie Ray Vaughn, did the halftime show. And like I said, it was it was raining and he played Texas Flood and crushed it. There's a really crappy video of it on YouTube. I wish it was better. But great halftime performance of this game. I was into it. Jimmy Vaughn. Here's Swoops. I guess he only played the second half. Well, they didn't have too many drives in the first. Yeah, there's a lot more points, a lot more possessions in the second half. 17 to 10 right now. Texas got the ball first. Yeah, and it was, uh, let's see, a 30-minute first half for the for the rewatch. And this is about an hour and a half rewatch, so a lot more action here in the second. Malik Jefferson out with an ankle. Puna Ford also out today. Big names on this team. NFL players. They just couldn't do anything with them. Huh. Chris Doesn't Warren sound like Texas. Chris Warren had 276 yards in this game. Never surpassed 150 in the rest of his career. Had 400-yard games. Like 30% of his total production in college was this game. Was hurt the next year and just forgotten the year after that with uh, Tom Herman on, on staff. I think that was Tom Herman's first year. Could have been his second year. Is this Charlie Strong's last year? Does he get fired for this game? No, 2016 is when they lost to Kansas, and he got fired oh, that's at the end right. of that season. And then Herman was 17 through 20, and then Sark 21 till now. That's right. Loading up for the deep shot. Yeah, they kept going vertical with – Tyrone swoops, and that was just not what he was good at. No. He had a good arm, but he wasn't accurate at all down the field. And he's playing the rock. He needs to be an H-back or a tight end. But Yeah, just run the ball. I saw him play in high school. He went to this tiny 2A school called White Wright out in East Texas. His high school team, he had a tight end, basically the same size as him, tight end committed to Baylor. And the two of them versus two A kids, it was just it was ridiculous. It was almost stupid to watch. Here we go. We're just gonna bomb it all over the place, and he he can't do it. But I mean, they're gonna score thirty five points in the second half. I don't know how. Yeah. None of it throwing the ball down the field. Yeah, on third and sixteen, I would have run I right power, Chris Warren. Yeah, or a little screen. Run the damn ball. But that was this uh, – what was this offensive coordinator's name? They just showed him. I couldn't think of his name when they showed him. I can't remember. Looks like a skeleton. I remember later in the game, it's tied or maybe Texas is 
down by one possession. It's like fourth and one, fourth and two. And they've got this 6'5", 250-pound quarterback. And I swear they throw a like a 30-yard fade down the field. And it's just either he checked into something terrible or worst play call ever. What I love about these helmets, well, since we're talking uniforms a little bit, I love no stripe. I think that the throwbacks with the stripes, like from the 70s era, I think those are fine. But give me the true solid black, no stripe. I think that's the best look for, for Tech. I agree. Mr. Root says, was it Tim Beck? I don't think so. I, I oh, think it was Tim Beck. Tim Beck was with Herman, right? I think so. trying to look it up it's going to kill me if I can't think of his name we had four rushing yards in the first quarter and 143 in the second quarter DeAndre Washington had a good game Jay Norvell Norvell that's right Nevada fame yeah knew I had it is DeAndre Washington the best running back since? No, you know what? In in the air raid era, was he the best running back in the air raid era? Torian Henderson. True air raid running back. Lots of catches. DeAndre Washington, the only air raid running back who had 1,000 yards twice. That gives you any any juice there. Torian Henderson didn't have 1,000 yards twice? I don't believe so. Huh. I mean, surely oh, scrimmage yards he did. Yeah, scrimmage yards, yeah. Third and two, that was an interesting play. Yeah, I knew we were going to get Baron Batch here. He was certainly good. That was an interesting play. We're running a lot of pistol with a, an H-back. You do that every once in a while and then just get away from it for six games. Of course, when you have DeAndre Washington, you're going to run the ball more. You know what else we want to do more of, Rob? Eat more barbecue? That's right. At Rahino Barbecue? Yeah. com. That's right. Open uh, five days a week, Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. That's right, not till close anymore, not till uh, sellout. You get actual hours. You can go for dinner, take your family. Uh, seven days a week, the market is open, Rahino Barbecue Market. Same building. It's If you're going to Alton and you've been out there before, instead of taking a right on 8th, you'll take a left on 7th uh, if you're heading from Lubbock. So head out to Rahino Barbecue Market, RahinoBBQ.com if you want to check them out online in Alton, Texas. Here's your boy Ian Sadler. Was this his last season? 
I think he kind of like medically retired or something. Yeah, I was trying to – was he a freshman in 13? Did he get here with Cliff? I can't remember. He definitely wasn't here in 12. I can't remember if he got here in 13 or 14. Or if this is his first year. No, I feel like he played at least a couple seasons. But I don't think he played yeah. – maybe he was still 16 with Mahomes and then didn't play with Shimanek. Well, I think he was on the team. He just – I remember him being like a fifth-year guy that retired but was hurt like three straight seasons. Jakeem Grant. Man, if if Kitley can get a Jakeem Grant type guy on campus, do you think you have one? No. Gary McCray be uh, Jakeem Grant? No. <laughs> not even close. He might be good, but he's not going to be Jakeem Grant. Yeah. How many, how many guys have we ever seen come through here that were like Jakeem Grant? Or come through college football? Yeah. Seeing Sadler again? You you called it earlier. You have a really good memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody commenting, dreams don't grow on trees. Okay. I don't know what we're dreaming of. I guess uh, the Jakeem Grant thing. Jakeem Grant, I'm about 99% sure he's the only guy in Red Raider history and probably on a very short list in college football history that threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, received a touchdown pass, and returned a kick for a touchdown. Did it all. Do you remember when he threw for one? Uh, against Arkansas? Yeah, they threw a bubble screen backwards to him, and then he hit Reggie Davis for a touchdown. Oh, no, that was uh, Arizona State in the bowl game? No. Was it against this, Arkansas? It was this season against Arkansas. Oh, I haven't seen Reggie Davis today. Yet. Yet. Is he going to make an appearance? I can't remember. There's Demarcus Felton. Seen some Davis Webb on the sidelines, too. That dude is so lanky. DeAndre Washington touchdown, 24-10. The Raven Clark, Brendan Caster. Jared Caster. Jared Caster. Oh, his mom's name is Brenda. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, He's at Austin P right now, I think. Austin P or yeah, Austin P. He was at Houston Christian for a little while, but I think he's at Austin P now. It's weird they changed their name. Houston Christian. Yeah, Houston Baptist. I had forgotten that. Houston Christian legend Bailey Zappi. Houston Christian legend Zach Kidley. Yeah. 
Gosh, can you imagine if they would have beaten us? It would have accelerated the process. It's Malik Jefferson leaving again. I thought that guy was going to be a stud in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, they developed him so well at Texas, I'm surprised he wasn't. Kind of a hater. Oh, Demarion Overshone's a stud. He was uh, with the Cowboys now. He had six tackles in the first half. He should be good. He's a good player. You watch preseason at all? A little bit. I used to make an effort when I was like I I think I said this on last episode or two episodes ago. I used to love mock drafts, and so I used to try to go look for different rookies that I liked. And now, you know, if it's on because I haven't seen football in six months, I'll watch. Yeah. But I find myself once I turn on, I'm like, eh. There's usually like one guy per team that I'm so like I watch the Cowboys uh just to see Deuce Vaughn. Yep. Things like that, you know. I think Malik Jefferson's back with the Cowboys. Yeah, I saw him in that game. I think he's rocking number 40. 40 or 46? I think number 40, like I just said. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to correct you there. I wouldn't have said 40 if he was wearing 46, Rob. Come on. Right, yeah. I forget the the memory there. Cam Batson. 24 to 10. I don't know that I said that earlier. Yeah, so we had so you have Cam Batson, Jakeem Grant, Reginald Davis, all at the very least got I think all of them have made active NFL rosters, maybe not for a super long time. I know Batson and Jakeem have. I know at the very least Reginald Davis got a training camp invite. Yeah, with the Falcons. Sadler just fumbled right after we got the ball back. Had a chance to kind of pull away a little bit, but 24-10 in Texas will get the ball back on our side of the field. 6-20 left in the third quarter. Have you ever painted your chest? I don't think so. Trying to remember if we ever did that in college. We talked about it. I felt like we never did it, you know. So, oh, yeah, we're going to paint up for the next. And then, like, nobody wanted to actually do it. Yeah. So, yeah unless I'm blanking on something, I don't think I did. Painted myself blue to be the genie one time from Aladdin. But uh, not for a football game. Is it like Halloween or something? <laughs> I don't remember what it was for. It was like a high school, uh, something in high school. Just a Friday night? Yeah, we were just hanging out. No, it's for something. It's, it might have been like a homecoming kind of thing. You do crazy stuff in homecoming. Did you paint your face blue? Yeah. You could have been Tobias Funke. I could have been. Right in the shower. Chris Warren again. Like a hot knife through butter. I'm not trying to dog the Texas Tech defenses from these days, but there were so many running backs that played against us and went on like Heisman watch lists and breakout. And like they might've been good running backs, but they never had a game like they had against Texas tech ever again. I remember Kalen Balaj week three was in the Heisman top five. And 
This yeah. is their last game of the season. Like, oh, Chris Warren next year is going for two thousand yards. Like, no, I mean he's a he's a good football player, but uh, the other eleven games of the season aren't against Texas Tech. So, sorry. No, it, like I remember we talked to um, Keenan Ward on the show, and it was kind of hard to dance around, like. You had a great career, but wow, your defenses gave up some points. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or if it was a different time I was talking to him. But he, he said that, like, kind of the problem was defensive line depth. And he was from his perspective as a safety, you know, he's like, as soon as they get to the second level, like now I'm in open space and it's really hard to make a tackle. Right. And so basically the further they get down the field – you know, within the play, the harder it is to bottle them up. And so those years where, you know, you've got a converted wide receiver at defensive end trying to set the edge at 220, like, yeah, it's tough on your linebackers and your DBs after that. Devin Lauderdale breaking a huge play down to the 10. Yeah, when your safety leaves as the leading tackler, you know, at the time of his leaving – you don't want a safety lead in tackling like three years in a row. Yeah. Keenan Ward was the active leader in career tackles when he left and Deshaun Johnson had to be number two. Right. Yeah. I'm so, sure. Like that's not good. I remember it was like that with Cody Davis too. Like, Oh, he's badass. He has 115 tackles. It's like, yeah, he's good, but you don't want your safety to have 115 tackles. No, meet your linebackers have 60. Yeah. You want, you want your middle linebacker to have 115 tackles. Yeah. That means they're meeting somebody, you know, two or three yards from the line of scrimmage and getting it done. <laughs> yeah, that was all Lottie. He caught that five yards down the field and took it about 60 there. Like a punt return. Trying to get to the edge. Can't. Third and goal from the 12. He's a big man. He's tapping his helmet. Staying though. Oh, and then oh, he lay down. Oh, I thought he was faking an injury. He was just getting into his stance. <laughs> that was a lazy get in your stance move. It's like, oh, all right, I guess I'll guess I'll do it. Good protection, leaving the pocket. Mahomes being Mahomes. Taking a sack. <laughs> Not gonna work out for him. <laughs> Uh, that was Mahomes being Mahomes in college, leaving a clean pocket. This offensive line <laughs> sucks. No, it doesn't. Mahomes just is leaving the pocket. You want to talk about breakout candidates this season, Rob? Yeah. Got you know a, an offensive break. Oh, man, stay in the pocket and throw the ball. Yeah. You know what? You know what? You don't want to break. Your fishing line. Mm. That's mm. true. That's true. Yeah. You know, those fishing lines don't break. You weren't ready for that segue. Is it, is oh, it Wreckham Outdoor? It's Wreckham Outdoors. You can find them on Instagram, Wreckham Outdoors, or online at WreckhamOutdoors.com. Wade Fish in the legendary Baffin Bay. You ever been to Baffin Bay? No, but I wish I, I could. You go meet uh, 
Captain Preston Long there at uh, Baffin Bay. I butt dialed him yesterday on accident. Nice. My bad, Preston. Um, he probably thought something was up, but I just butt dialed him. Rob, I have a question. There were people wondering after our last episode if the if they had an Instagram page that had a bunch of cool fish on it. Is that true or false? Yeah, wreck them outdoors on Instagram. Bunch of cool fish. Some videos, pictures. The joy in people's faces, Kyle, when they when they fish with Preston Long, Captain Preston Long, uh, wading out there with him. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, man. The joy in those faces. You, you see the fish, but it's the joy in the faces and the memories that people make that uh, mm. that really, really mm. gets you going. Mm. They're on Instagram. Yeah, hit them up if you want to go fishing. All right, breakout candidates. All right, I've got one that uh, I've been calling for for several years now, but I really do think he's going to have a big year this year. Can I guess who it is? Yes. Do you want to say it on three? Uh, you you give me a guess, and then I'll give you a hint if you're wrong. Loic Fungi. No, but he is a wide receiver. Oh, okay. J.J. Sparkman? J.J. Sparkman. The dude's body control is insane. Tyler Shuck's best attribute as a quarterback is throwing a deep ball that is 50-50 or 60-40. That's what he's best at. You saw it in the TCU game. He threw a deep one at J.J. Sparkman. J.J. Sparkman had a great high point catch in the bowl game. A great high point catch, not the latest bowl game, the bowl game against Mississippi State. I think he got on uh, You Got Mossed for that catch. Uh, he just has incredible body control. And I think what Shuck does best is throw deep, either setting up a penalty or a 50-50 ball. And I think J.J. Sparkman fits Tyler Shuck, and I think they can uh, get something going this year. So I'm going to go J.J. Sparkman. Chris Warren with another run. Did he get That's touched? Barely. <laughs> it was a, that was, what, a 25, 30-yard touchdown? Good grief. How many touchdowns does he have this game? That's three. Is that his third? Yeah, he's got all three of them. It's about to be 27-24 after the extra point with about a minute and a half left in the third quarter. Um, I like that pick. The The only reason I wouldn't potentially get on board with it is because I don't know how the playing time is going to shake out at outside receiver. Certainly way a lot of people in front of him. You've got an All-American candidate in Jerron Bradley on one side, and I imagine some rotation of Sparkman, Fungi, guy we mentioned last episode. I'm hearing more good things about him. Jordan Brown is apparently playing outside. I don't know if Dre McCray is going to be inside or outside or, or split. Koi Eakin, um, Brady Boyd could all factor in there. And so if J.J. Sparkman was getting 80% of the snaps, I'd 100% be with you. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Uh, but you're right, that catch against TCU, and really even in the first half against TCU, I think he helped set you up on on that weird sequence that should have been second down and it was third down and you settled for a field goal. But he was a big part of getting you into the red zone. Like you said, the you know, 6'4", great body control, turns those 50-50 balls into 60-40 balls. I'm all for that. And, and really – it doesn't really matter who's right on who's the breakout candidate. The numbers you have at outside receiver across from John Bradley 
somebody's got to. Like the odds are just so high that you're going to have a dude on the other side. I don't know if it's going to be Fungi who emerges or Sparkman or somebody else, but the odds are like you're not going to be wanting for production opposite Jerron Bradley. And if they try to double him, and if you have a threat in the slot, like good luck with the other guy one-on-one. That's something I thought we didn't utilize well enough when we had Antoine Wesley and TJ Vasher. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those are two guys that are on NFL rosters, maybe not always on the active roster. So I don't know if you have two guys quite that good. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But, yeah, I would love to see it. Do you have uh, an offensive player that you're looking for to break out? Mine was going to be Log Fungi, just based on – he had a really good game against Murray State when Tyler Shuck was the quarterback. He had a really good last few games this season when Tyler Shuck was quarterback and disappeared a little bit in between, part of that due to injury. Part of that, I think it, it's tough for receivers to okay, – we we're with Tyler all fall camp, and now it's Donovan, now it's Barron, now it's back to Tyler. That's tough. Sounds weird, but, like – the ball arrives differently from different quarterbacks' hands, and the timing is a little bit differently. Um, so anyway, he seemed to have the chemistry, and once he got healthy, he looked really explosive. You know, he had a good game against Ole Miss catching the ball. He took that onside kick to the house, and you saw flash. I think his one weakness, I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive and assertive on those 50-50 balls. He, he looked a little bit, I don't want to say timid, but just – unsure or not very aggressive going up for the ball in some of those instances. If he gets good in that kind of situation, the sky's the limit for Loke Fungi. And touchdown DeAndre Washington to start the fourth quarter here. So I was looking up uh, Fungi stats. It says 600 yards, but that's career. I was like, those do not add up to 600. Uh, He's got 600 yards in his career. 200-yard games last year. But you're right, it's the very first game and then the last game in the bowl that he had 100 yards. What was his stat line against OU? Uh, four catches, 61 yards. That's solid. But he had four catches, 110 yards, and two touchdowns against Murray State. And then three for 30, two for 20, no catches against Texas. Three for 20, two for 10, three for 20. No catches against Baylor. One catch against Texas Christian with seven yards. And then five for 50 against Kansas. No catches against Iowa State. Four for 60, seven for 100. Like if I showed you Logue Fungi's five best plays in his career, it'd probably be his true freshman year, the COVID year against Oklahoma State. He had a great catch in the end zone. Yep. Reminded me of Eric Ward. He kind of hauls it in like one-handed, corrals it. It would be a couple of these long touchdowns, the onside kick. If I showed you the top four or five plays from his career, you'd be like, yeah, this guy yeah. is a superstar. What a stud. But like you just read, you're missing five games of production in the middle of last season. And like he needs to – and again, part of that, he was out with some kind of injury. And maybe when he was coming back, he was still you know, playing 80% instead of 100. But to my eye, when he's 100%, he's really good uh, with room to grow in my estimation. So I – I think he could be a dude. Again, especially they've got a double team on the other side, and and you do have a run game threat. You have a threat in the slot. Good luck one-on-one because he's a heck of an athlete. Chris Warren absolutely running through Braden Fajoko right there. Another NFL guy. Yep. He is. I know. Plays for the Chargers. DeAndre Washington was an NFL guy. Dakota Allen is on the team NFL guy. Long time for DeAndre. 
See, you had shoot, how many guys is that? Three receivers, your running back, your quarterback, Braden Fajoko, Dakota Allen. I guess Deshaun Johnson had a cup of coffee. Uh Let's call it seven. That's that's eight, but let's call it seven NFL guys. Jack Anderson. Eight. I don't think he wasn't here yet. Yeah. Oh, but LaRaven Clark was. LaRaven Clark. Jack Anderson's not playing guard? No, not yet. I don't think. We'll no, because he was here. I thought I saw no, him right now. No, he played with Wells. Maybe I saw 65 instead of 56. Michael Alway is on this team. Canadian football legend, Michael Alway. There's some good is, pieces. Uh, is the other linebacker on this team still, or did he graduate in 13? I think Aguavin was gone. Yeah. Is that who you meant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's had a good NFL career for himself. I, I always thought his name was Sammy Guavin, not is, Sam Guavin. Is Broderick Washington on this team? Probably not. Yeah, he played. Uh, yeah, I think he got here, and yeah, he's here. Another NFL he's he's four just, straight years. Just got signed to a contract extension with the Ravens. So there's nine. That's kind of crazy. Jordan and Brooks. Not yet. He was a true freshman in 16. Davis Webb, if you want to count it. Yeah, long-time NFL guy. It's 34-31 now. Tyrone Swoops ran one in. 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Brandon Jackson, Pete Robertson, both played in the NFL. It was 11. Man. That's a lot of NFL talent. Dylan Cantrell. It's probably a stretch to say Dylan Cantrell. Yeah, but in fairness, I think he missed this season. But he's on the roster, so, yeah, still an NFL dude. Certainly not playing today. How about defensively? Any breakout candidates on the defense? Sorry, I'm distracted looking through this uh, roster. Uh, I think you have a lot more breakout candidates defensively than you do offensively. You kind of know what's happening offensively, right? We talked about it. You have maybe at receiver a bunch of guys that might be able to play. But offensive line pretty much set, quarterback set, even if it's Baron Morton playing. Um, you're not going to say Jake Strong's a breakout quarterback for uh, this year because you don't want that to happen. Um, running back, I guess you could probably say Cameron Valdez is a breakout candidate, but you kind of expect him to play. You expect the second running back to play quite a bit this year. Uh, but defensively, you kind of have a hard time whittling it down to one guy. Um you could say Steve Linton is a big breakout candidate. You could say Miles Cole after the bowl game he had is a big breakout candidate. Um, Joey McGuire's talked about Charles Esters, who's kind of broken out and given him some ease on redshirting Joseph Adetere, which 
we still don't understand, but could happen. Um, do you want to say another true freshman like uh, Brendan Jordan in the secondary? I don't yeah, know. I think, I think it's possible. Uh, by the way, DeAndre Washington, 24 carries, 152 yards, have himself a day. I think they said 6.2 yards per carry or something like that. Big Hen says, all these breakouts have me feeling like when I was 14. Get you some Accutane, Big Hen. Um, oh, Phil. Yeah, it's one of those things like if everybody is a breakout candidate, is anybody a breakout candidate or do you just have a good defense? Right. And I feel like guys flashed and so like it's kind of cheating because if they broke out in the bowl game, like is it fair to say they're a breakout for the next season? I think that – yeah, if you see a freshman DB breakout, like you said, that's probably stemming from a not-ideal situation where somebody is missing significant time. But, again, the, the numbers game, I think that – I think Marion Horn will be a redshirt freshman. It might be a redshirt sophomore. But him or one of the true freshmen, uh, Jordan Sanford, Brennan Jordan, Maybe Dingle, like I said, he's kind of been in a couple of those clips. He's not a defensive back, I don't think. I think he's at that inside linebacker spot. Although maybe they're playing him at star some, I don't know. Chapman Lewis, I think, is a name that – one of the freshmen that has kind of showed out a little bit. So, yeah, I think one of those guys I, – I don't know. I might be just high on the Kool-Aid. I think Josiah Pierre could – go from like off the radar a little bit like he's a starter for sure but yeah. i think he's he's got the measurables if he has position a good season change what position change yeah i think he's got the measurables and the skill set that if he has a productive year i think he could like be on nfl draft boards you know maybe in the middle rounds there, like fourth fifth round and i'm not i'm not an nfl draft guru i don't know exactly that's just kind of my hunch Yeah, I, I would saw, put on uh, Josiah yeah. Pierre. Maybe Isaac Smith. Is he still a breakout candidate after last year? Probably so, especially if he's not slated to be the starter. Um, you mentioned Steve Linton. There's been so much hype about him all offseason. And I saw a tweet. I wish I could remember who it was from, but it was one of those guys that, you know, year-round is kind of doing NFL mock drafts and um, ranking players at, at every position. And he's one of the ones I think is viewed as more credible in that line of work. And he said, like, you'll know who's sharp and who's kind of mailing it in based on who has Steve Linton among their top edge rushers going into this season. And so Steve Linton does not have the numbers from Syracuse to be on everybody's radar. And I guess this guy's logic was, if you've seen the tape, if you understand player development at Texas Tech, like you're anticipating him making a name for himself as an edge rusher. And so you can tell the smart people in the room by who has Steve Linton on the radar and who doesn't. I thought that was kind of intriguing because that it's one thing for hype to come from James Blanchard and Joey McGuire. It's another for a guy whose reputation is kind of staked on how accurate he is in projecting players during their senior year and at the next level. Tyrone swoops to the house, by the way, to make it 38-34. Texas takes the lead. Their first lead of the day. 
So it was kind of cool to see the Steve Linton hype train arrive at somewhere outside the four walls of the Texas Tech football facilities. That, to me, is a little bit validating. Yeah, and that not only puts respect on Tim DeRuiter's name, but as you're saying, the Texas Tech name, because Tim DeRuiter's here. And if he does hop up draft boards, I don't know if he'll be a first-rounder like some of the guys DeRuiter's worked with. But if if DeRuiter has Kayvon Thibodeau, Von Miller, Tyree Wilson, and let's say Steve Linton's a third or fourth-rounder, after coming out of nowhere, like not even starting at Syracuse. I mean, I don't know what edge rusher wouldn't want to come here and be developed by him in this defensive scheme. The, if big, that happens. the biggest thing that could happen for Texas Tech this year is Tyler Shuck dominating. So that would be the offense. That would be Micah Hudson. That would be really, really big. The second biggest thing that could happen this year is Steve Linton getting 10 sacks. If Steve Linton got 10 sacks at that position – you are all of a sudden recruiting some of the best or just getting a bunch of transfers in at that position that want to revitalize their careers. He will get drafted. I'll, I don't know if anybody will – if you or I will remember this prediction, but if he gets 10 sacks, he'll be drafted in round four or earlier. Because we heard that at Syracuse, he was basically like starving. Like they didn't have a nutrition program. He was skinny, like he's put on weight. So, like with one year of development, if he goes first team All Big Twelve or something, he's going to be on NFL scouts radar. They're going to call Joey and Blanchard and be like, "What's the story with this guy?" And they're going to tell me like he's had one year in a legitimate development program. You know, y'all could make this guy a stud in an NFL development program. So yeah, Steve Linton is for sure one to watch, and, and he's been hyped up since the spring. That's not a new name or anything. But, yeah, like if we come out of the gates and he's got two sacks against Wyoming, like look out. All right, we got seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. You ready for the mailbag? Yeah, let's do it. We're driving. We just got to the Texas 40 with the aforementioned Reginald Davis. Oh, Reggie. All right, here's the mailbag. You've got mail. Mail time. I found these in my mailbag. Well, it's time to reach into the old mailbag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at once. Any mail for me? You don't have a tic-tac, do you? Do I get any mail? No. Why not, honey? Jakeem Grant just mossed a guy on a deep ball to get us to the one. I think they should have just given him the touchdown. But we punch it in on the next play. Don't know if that was Washington or Stockton. But now we're up. It'll be 41-38 to 38 after the extra point. Six minutes left. Do you want to tell them who sponsors the mailbag here? Yes, that will be our friends over at Barnett, Howard & Williams, BHWLawFirm.com if you want to learn more about them. The best law firm in the state of Texas, they're based in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all over the Lone Star State. One of the only law firms in Texas that is certified for Title IX student litigation. They do criminal defense. If you get hurt at work, catastrophic injury, anything like that. They hope you never need them, but they're in your corner if you do. Three double Texas Tech grads. He was down pretty well at the goal line. That shouldn't have been a touchdown. I was wrong. Barnett, Howard, and Williams, bhwlawfirm.com. But that catch did put Jakeem Grant ahead of, was it Eric Ward? Who did he 
top out for career receiving yards? I think so. Or maybe it was career receptions he topped out, beat out Eric Ward for, I can't remember. Uh, Barnett, Howard, and Williams appreciate their support of the Gauchos. They'll be back with us for Gauchos After Dark every college football Saturday during the season. I think receptions was Torian Henderson. Man, did he beat every receiver in career receptions? I think so. That's crazy. I'm going to look this up now while you're doing the first question. All right, the first question. If you go, if you could go back to 2020, who were the four schools you would add to the Big 12? Back to 2020? So, like, we're trying to, trying to keep Texas and OU in the fold? I guess so. Um, or Big Hen just doesn't remember when it happened. What are you betting on? I think Big Hen is streaming if he wants to clarify the question. But, I mean, I, I guess well, – I don't know. Can you take from the Pac-12 at that point? I don't – Big Hen says he's slipped since then. I think um, if the question is in 2021, who are the best four you could have taken, I would say Houston, Cincinnati – UCF and BYU. I mean, I still think that was the right decision because it got you to where it was today. Who are the four schools you would add to keep the Big 12 alive, he says now. But that that wasn't the point. That's not why Oklahoma left. Oklahoma left because you were forcing them on Fox to play 11 a.m. games when they wanted to play at night. And B, would not renegotiate and go back to the table and get a better deal. You just wanted the same deal again. To answer the question, though, the four you did, but swap Houston out for UConn. Have four teams in the East, eight in the Central, give or take. And then now you'd have four from the four corners. Would have made the pods make all the sense in the world. I know people think Houston is good at basketball, and they are. UConn is an actual blue blood with five natties this century. Makes more sense for the travel to the East Coast schools and West Virginia, Cincinnati. So that's what I would have done. Texas still trying to throw it deep when they're running all over the Red Raiders. That was it. That was the fourth down attempt. They bombed it instead of run the ball. Kyle. They couldn't get a push on Braden Fajoko. Put him on skates, baby. I looked it up. Torian Henderson, far and away, tech career receptions. They were 303. After that, Welker, 259. Eric Ward, 255. Jakeem Grant, 254. So he, he did not get that record. He just had the – oh, there was Little People Big World. Yeah, we'll get the replay here. Probably get a bunch of – Cliff was so happy. I was so mad. I was so mad they scored in one play there. Oh, yeah. It was. It's like, run the clock. I mean, it was an awesome play, but. Yeah, do it on third down after. Yeah. <laughs> Show us the replay. We weren't paying attention. 241 left in the game, by the way. I still remember on that call, Tim Brando. The fumble rooski. He said, he said, fumble rooski, flea flicker style. Yeah. It's like, 
that no, it, none of it that. wasn't a it was a ruski, but not a fumble ruski, and it had nothing to do with a flea flicker. Here it is. So Jakeem's hiding behind the offensive line. They motion the guy across. I always thought number 45 for Texas could have made that tackle. Yes. But he's just waltzing around out there. Terrible effort. Look at Cliff. He's so happy. That's got to be the greatest feeling in the world to draw something like that and have it work. That was one of my favorite scenes in uh, quarterback. Them talking about Patrick and the boys just drawing up plays in the dirt. And uh, seeing what sticks every week. Jakeem Grant passed Michael Crabtree for career receiving yards. I didn't realize Crab was that high in just two years. Yeah, that should have been the guess. Some of these guys were in the air raid for four years and still didn't pass Crabtree. So Jakeem is the all-time leader in yards. Uh, 3,286, Crabtree 3,127, Welker, your boy, 3,069, Lloyd Hill 3,059, Carlos Francis 3,031. You got five guys over 3,000. Wonder how many schools have guys over 3,000. Lloyd Hill over 3,000. Wow. Yeah, in the early 90s. That's pretty impressive. His son playing now for BYU. Yes, Keanu Hill. If you could spend your day with your favorite musical artist, who would it be? Before I answer that, little tri- since I'm on this page, Chris Warren touchdown. Stop me if you've heard this before. It's fourth <clears throat> and final. That'll make it 48 to 45 with two minutes left. Single season reception yard all-time leaders at Texas Tech. You can probably guess Michael Crabtree, 2007, is number yeah. one. Yeah. Who's number two? Lyle Leong. He's not in the top ten. Oh. He had a monster year. Um, Joel Falani. He's number five at 1,300. Eric Ward. Not in the top ten. Dang. Jakeem was good for so long, I don't think he'd be in the top ten. Uh, well, Lloyd Hill. Lloyd Hill is number seven. Jakeem Grant's number six. Jakeem's in six. Oh, man. Uh, Wes Welker, he didn't ever have any big years. Not in the top ten. Danny, no. Danny's number eight. Oh, Danny at number eight? Yeah, 2007. How many yards was that? 1,245. Uh, Torian Henderson. Not in the top ten. <laughs> oh, man, this is embarrassing. Single season. Are they late? Are they later? Anton Wesley? Wesley's number three. Interesting. I probably wouldn't have guessed that. But... Oh, Root says it in the chat now. Um, Alex Torres in the chat. No. So tied at 9 and 10 are Carlos Francis and Jarrett Hicks with 1,177. Okay. I think you've guessed everybody besides Jason Morrow at four. Jay Samara, I would not have gotten that one. And then you haven't guessed number two, which I wouldn't have gotten number two either. Give me a, an era. Cliff. The Cliff era? Yeah. C- quarterback or coaching? Oh, uh, as a head coach. <laughs> really? 
Yeah. Um. Oh, Kiki QT. Yep. He had a monster year. Fourteen hundred twenty-nine yards in twenty seventeen. Wow! I wish he would have come back for eighteen. Yeah. Of course, Antoine Wesley had a big year instead. So interesting, you say that. Let's just assume he had come back in 2018 and put up the exact same 1,429 yards. That would have put him at about 2858 for his career. He would have been five yards behind Eric Ward, one yard behind Jarrett Hicks, and they're sixth, seventh. He had a little bit of production his freshman year as well, if I recall correctly. Yeah, so late probably, year. He's probably clearing all of them, and he's on Carlos Francis's heels for fifth. Now, if he goes over 1,400 yards, it's, you know, who knows? But, yeah, he would have been a top, let's say, top six receiver had he come back for one more year. Damn. Uh, favorite musical artist to spend the day with? Oh, man. It's this past one. Oh. oh, what's this guy's name? Have you seen this dude, the uh... – Uh, Richmond, north of Richmond. Yes. What's his name? Oliver. Oliver Anthony. I would That's just be fascinated by him as a person. Like this guy went out into the woods with his guitar, filmed it, and went from nobody to like the most famous person in music in like four days. So yeah, I'd want to hang out with him. Out of all the musical artists of all time, you want this. Guy that's popular for 15 minutes of fame? Well, I think something something significant is happening in our country, which is why he went viral in four days. I went on like a 30-minute rant about this to my wife. Don't have time for it on the podcast. No, we do. Um, but Elvis at Graceland, if, if Elvis had me out at Graceland for the day, that'd be freaking sweet. That would be awesome. Why did I get a Kyle WTF on here? What was that for in the comments? Oh, that was a while back. That was um, Houston, I believe. UConn over Houston. Yeah, I mean, to me, Houston doesn't add anything for you. Yeah. People in Houston already watch Big 12 football because... I think it was more the fact that you picked UConn. It makes the geography simple. They're a state flagship. Basketball is really good. Makes travel make more sense. Not, I'm not saying UConn's a good football program. They certainly weren't in 2020. It's that or San Diego State, but if you go out west and get San Diego State, then it throws off the – you'd have a four-team pod out west, and then Colorado, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State would be in a pod. I don't know. It would be jacked up. Yeah. So you're not one to hang out with, like, Montley Crew, just at, like, like party for a day? No. Trash a hotel room? No. My favorite musical artists, I don't know. I, I just feel like they'd be drinking coffee and not doing anything. At a hipster coffee shop? Yeah. Like the Avet Brothers. We're just like drinking tea and passing instruments around. We got a not John Mayer in the comments. I like John Mayer. I don't know if he'd be fun to hang out with. He just seems like a guy to me. Like he's just yeah. a guy with a guitar. Seems like kind of a jerk, to be honest. Well, he had like some 
women on Twitter like thirsting over him. And he was like, you know, I'm 42 or whatever. Like I, I'm at my house with a heating pad on my back. Like I'm not a sexy person basically was his, it's like I wear knee braces. And so like if I was hanging out at John Mayer's house, like what would we do? Just like sit there and watch TV. Like <laughs> it just doesn't seem like that interesting. But, I mean, he's a, he's a good musician. I like him, but yeah, I don't think I'd be like having a blast hanging out with him. You ask him to do a personalized uh, cry about it. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite Cajun food dish? I read that one weird. I kind of want to say jambalaya, but that feels like a really basic answer. I would say gumbo. So does that help you? Sure. Yeah, that gives me some cover. Yeah. It's a classic for a reason. Jambalaya or jambalaya? Depends on who you ask. Uh, and don't think I'm glossing over the fact that you didn't answer the last question. I do want to hear that sometime. Maybe we can do that on a private uh, stream. Yeah, it gets it, it gets too political for this. Yeah, I know you like to keep it uh, straight and narrow here. In a way that... Uh, not partisan either. Like, I'm not talking partisan. And unfortunately... I will say this. I remember when COVID hit and I told my wife, you remember at the time, this is like unprecedented. I told my wife, I was like, in one week, this will be a partisan political issue. We're like half the country believes this, takes it seriously. Half the country will. That's exactly what happened. And the world moves so fast. Like it used to be that if you were a, mus a musician for like 10 years, and you went on tour and you did interviews on 60 minutes or then people would form an opinion about you. This guy, Oliver Anthony was on Twitter for like one day and immediately the partisanship broke out. People just determined, Oh, this song sucks because it's about this, even though it's not actually about that. Or the song is awesome because it sounds like something that, you know, fits with my culture war battle lines that I've drawn. But I think it's actually something like more more profound and like that people aren't talking about. It's like it's outside the current paradigm of how we're thinking about politics. And I can I can correlate it to the presidential race as well. But again, I don't I don't want anything I say to be misperceived or, or anything. So, yeah, I'll save it for. A, we need to, need to do another live hangout in the um, discord chat and I can I can explain all of this. If anybody even care, I don't know if anybody gives a crap what I think about politics or music but anyway do it at the roots airbnb after we uh hit up some wacky tobacco in denver yeah yeah we could left that out uh Sorry. it's only a matter of time it's legal there yeah it is yeah are you planning to partake well you're like oh we should have left that out like we we're doing something scandalous oh man it is scandalous to me don't worry rob we won't have it in a vape pen Thank you. Yeah, the day after sober October with a vape pen and uh, a couple of beers, that was something else. Um, it's only a matter of time before Jeff Trailer gets a power five job in Texas. Which one is more likely, A and M or Houston? I don't know. I think they're roughly equally likely to come open at the same time. Agreed. Obviously, if he's offered both, he's going to go to A&M. Obviously? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, 
So I guess in that sense, I'll say A&M is more likely. I'm more worried if he goes to Houston. Like A&M, I don't want them to be good because I, you know, I'm an alumnus of Texas Tech, but it, if they're not in the same conference as me, it would bother me less. If Jeff Trailer goes to Houston, God help us all because they will get every kid in East Texas that he wants and they're going to be loaded. Now, I'm not like afraid of anybody because we've got Joey, but like they will be really good. Right. Yeah, they will recruit really well at Houston. Steven Stevens says, I don't think he'll go to A&M. Well, there you have it. Uh, since Rob said family few, this goes back to the last mailbag. We talked about what game shows we would be good at. What four picadors round out each group of Kyle versus Rob? Do you want to draft picadors right now? Yeah, you want to go like snake draft? Yeah, we can snake it. Do you want to go first since this was your game show? Um, you can go first. I'll, I'll be nice. I think I want Root. Oh, dang. Root has... Yeah, it's a good first pick. I think Root has his finger on the pulse of the people of this country, and he would be yeah. good at guessing the answers. Man of the people, underrated pick. I'm going to go Big Hen. People's plumber. That guy, one in 100 Americans. That's Big Hen. And then I'm going to go... Little age difference and go Briggsy. I was gonna go Briggsy with my next pick for the exact same reason. Like generations. Yes, exactly right. I think this might be a little bit of a sleeper pick to some. No, I'm gonna save this because I I can get him in a later round. But he he's a second round value, but I can get him in a later round. You think so? I think so. Um, I'm gonna go Chuck, another just blue collar man of the people. Yeah. Okay, so I've got I've got one more. Then it's back to you, um, Maddie, but not Mateo Nomeo. I want Maddie Wrexham. I don't okay. actually know her last name. That's her Twitter handle. Again, you want diversity of perspective. Sure. So I, I think she would balance out the current squad that I have right now really well. So I'm going Maddie with pick number three. So I've got Root, Chuck, and Maddie, but not Mateo Nomeo. He's a liability. You know, that's a good. Good thought process there to get a lady involved. So I'll I'll also pick a a lady from the Discord, Trisha. Everyone's favorite picador. And then I'm gonna go with my fourth pick. You know, it is family feud. So I'll take the other Briggs and uh have a, a pair of family members on my squad and go uh, Bill Walton's kid. All right, it's time for my sleeper who I Wanted in the second, but I'm going to get him in the fourth, which means I'm crushing this draft. I don't actually know how to pronounce his last name. I don't need to say his last name. Tad. Again, you get different generational perspective. He could seems have had, like uh, could have had a brother duo there. He seems like I think that's a father son duo. I could be wrong. I think it's brothers. I don't know. They can clarify for us. Sure. But he he seems like somebody who's wise. Yeah. And I again I think with have their pulse on how Americans would respond to such a survey. Big hint, the Rob squad is winning easy. I don't know. I I like my lineup. It's a good lineup. Maybe we do that uh, someday as well. We can get online and do a family feud. I'm I'm putting us as minus 140 favorites. Of course you would. A little bias there. Of course, you know, you're missing a lot of uh, great talent there in the, the Discord. Yeah, we only got four. How would you want to get up uh, 
if you wanted to be in the Discord. Oh, Broken Hearts here on the chat from Ryan. Ooh, sorry. Ryan, everybody gets picked for the kickball team. Sorry. Lots of good names out there. Um, yeah, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos if you want to be on our family feud squads, even if they're entirely made up. Should be a lot of fun during football season. We've got a couple ideas up our sleeves. Uh, we'll have extra content if you're if you're interested in sports betting. I think we've got some good data and information on there right now, and we'll continue to have that on a weekly basis for the season. But also just some fun stuff, some cool interviews with former coaches and players. The Discord is a good time to chop it up with other Red Raider fans. A lot of fans of the Discord out there. Patreon.com slash Gambling Gauchos. Five bucks a month. Portion of proceeds go to the Matador Club to support Texas Tech student-athletes. A lot of people are listening to this, Rob, and they're going, you know what? These guys say this every episode. I've never joined. Am I really missing anything? Well, I'm going to apply some pressure and say, if you've been thinking about it, but you haven't jumped, just do it. Just Five do bucks. It. You know, some people, they come and go. They're a picador for a few months, and they decide well, that's okay. Try it out for a month. See if you like it. Football season is a great time to get started. Jump in head first. And if you don't like it, you'll be five bucks out. And other than that, no worse for wear. But if you do like it, you'll be making some lifelong friends and taking road trips to Laramie, Wyoming with people that you met on the internet. Try explaining that to your wife. But it's fun. It's a good time. So join us, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. And I'll be honest, if you sign up for a month and get in the Discord, we're probably not going to kick you out if you uh, cancel your Patreon. We, we've done it a few times, but... I think Patreon doesn't tell you that somebody dropped until like a full month after. Yeah. So yeah, we, we've got some freeloaders in the Discord, but you know, whatever. It's a good time. Yeah, all right. Uh, Kyle. Best entertainment. Here's the two kind of picadors. Best entertainment value at five dollars a month. The next comment is better hurry before Kyle makes it thirty dollars a month again. <laughs> yeah, the, the price goes up to thirty dollars a month on September first. So join now. Yeah, join now. You close out sale. Uh, are you fans of six man football? I'm a fan of just about any kind of football. So yes. My buddy coaches in Southland. Big Southland Eagles fan. Okay. Go Eagles. I will say growing up in Austin, you know, I was in a 5A district back when 5A was the biggest division. Now it's 6A. So, like, our long away game was like 25 minutes away, you know, depending on traffic. So, 6A was new to me when I got out to West Texas. I was like, wait, the final score is what? You know, it's 92 to 61. Like, what in the heck is that? And then people kind of explained what six-man was. Totally different. But, yeah, I, I love it for what it is. It's kind of a unique twist on football. Then you have uh, eight men in Kansas around mm. the country, Colorado. Uh, start bench cut, white wheat sourdough. Of course, it depends on what you're going to utilize the bread for because, you Absolutely. know, you've got sandwich bread, you've got toasts, you've got, like, dinner rolls. But I guess in general, I will start – Sourdough. Agree. Probably bench white, cut wheat, but but I like all three. I'm a big bread guy. I'd probably bench wheat, cut white. Okay, that's fair. White. Why are you saying what? What way? Whiskey. You know what that's from? Hot Rod. 
Hot Rod. That's a funny movie. That's one of my favorites. That probably is my favorite movie the last 10 years. It's my hat now. Totally my hat. <laughs> Been drinking green tea all day. Um, remind me who is returning kicks for us this year, and will we be chanting their name? I, I think, think no. Well, I think Joey actually gave an update in uh, some of the transcribed interviews I've read. Uh, I think he said Miles Price is returning punts, and he did a good job of that last year. You rotated punt returners a lot. And then kickoffs, I think he said Jordan Brown and Dre McCray are kind of the two, which Nehemiah Martinez, I think, was in the fold last year. I don't know if he will be. So it sounds like you have a few different options, but, yeah, mostly kind of those inside receiver types. Yeah, Martinez was listed with a broken face, non-football-related activities. And then you mentioned Coy Eakin earlier. He uh, hurt his collarbone again, but seemingly will be back for the Tarleton State game. Yeah, Joey said it was like a crack. Not a, yeah, not a full break like Shuck had. So shorter, shorter timeline to get back. I'd go ahead and put a put a steel plate in there. Yeah, titanium. Uh, would you rather talk like Jar Jar Binks or look like Jar Jar Binks? Uh, what does he talk like? I think uh, I can picture him, but Misa talk like this. <laughs> Misa Jaja Binks. Misa, um, what to do that? I mean, I don't think you could go through life looking like Jar Jar Binks. I guess talk like him, and I would just be a very quiet person. I would learn American Sign Language. Misa don't want to talk like this? <laughs> I don't think so. If you look like him nowadays, it's not a... I don't know. You could, you could probably turn that into a career. <laughs> Be on TikTok like uh, Jar Jar Banks. Round the round the tours, I'd probably talk like him, and I would talk as much as I can. You know what I thought Jar Jar Banks was when I first read that question? What? You know that gif of the? I guess it's an alien guy. Maybe he's from Star Trek, but it's that alien going, "It's a trap." Yeah, it's Star Wars. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay, I thought that might be Star. Who's who's that guy? Uh, General. Akbar. Okay. I thought that was Jar Jar Binks for like a split second. Now I remember Jar Jar Binks is like red, kind of. Yeah. Reddish. Okay. Yeah. He says, Oh, you lying liar. I don't know who he's talking about. Not me. If you think I wouldn't talk about uh, talk like Jar Jar Binks, you got another thing coming. I would all the time. <laughs> Nobody would listen to my sports radio show, though. Everybody would listen to your sports radio show. Misa thinks the Cowboys going to win today. Why is Chuck calling me a liar? I don't know because you you're saying you didn't know who Jar Jar Binks was. Well, no, I figured like for a split second I thought it was that it's a trap give. Oh, Star Trek. I, I've never seen Star Trek or Star Wars. I don't know. I mean, I know which one is which, but like not. <laughs> if I see an alien in a rocket ship, I don't know which one it is. Like I know Darth Vader's Star Wars. I know all that, but. It's a trap. Uh, in addition to burgers and nachos, what other foods that you – hold on. I need to read this closer. My bad. I need some readers or something. Uh, in addition to burgers and nachos, what other foods that could be done better by being made wider instead of taller? How about pizza? I'm not a big deep dish guy. Yeah? 
I like thinner crust pizza, so I'll go pizza. That question was a little bit difficult to um, understand for a second for me. Deep and wide. Uh, have you had the trash can nachos from um, Guy Fieri? No. Like you put them in a big can and they go straight up and then you pull the lid off? I will say it pisses me off when restaurants don't layer their nachos and they just like pile of chips and then we're going to put everything on top. Like, yeah, give me a layer of chips and some cheese and meats and whatever, and then another layer of chips and so on. You ever but like otherwise, otherwise it's a tiny sliver of chip with like a mound of toppings for that top layer. And after that's just empty chips. Do better. You ever do nachos at home on the yeah. sheep man? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you want to hear Big a funny story? Yes. We're an hour 45 in, so like who cares if I yeah. um yeah. we probably could so have watched the bowl game. Yeah. I um when I was young, my family moved to a new street and seven houses down lived my sister's best friend. Her dad was a pastor and they invited us to church. We started going to church. And my mom didn't have much of a church background until this. And so she was very like, she had this perception of church people and she did not want me to stand out in a bad way at church. She was like, you do not chew gum in church. Nobody does that. Like spit out your gum before we go to church. And Anyway, she sent me over there to watch the Super Bowl one year, just me and the pastor. Um, he had three daughters. And so they were going doing like a girls night thing or whatever. And she was like, it's impolite to accept food at other people's house. So like, no matter what happens, do not let Pastor John feed you. And I was like, okay, all right. And uh, I get there and he's making sheet pan nachos. And I was like, I was like seven or eight. And I was like, oh no, that's okay. I already ate dinner. He's like, oh no. Like he's of course insisting. And so I was like, okay, like I, I cave and I eat some nachos. He goes, oh, I got dessert too. Like we got these king size Hershey bars. I was like, no, seriously, I, I shouldn't eat that. And again, he insists, and I eat a king-size Hershey bar. My mom comes to pick me up. This was the year the Ravens beat the Giants, by the way. My mom comes to pick me up, and she was like, how'd it go? And Pastor John goes, oh, it's great. We had nachos and king-size Hershey bars. And she, like, shoots me this, like, death glare, like, told you not to eat his food. I was like, sorry. You know, like, he, did, he wouldn't let me say no. That's, like, my my memory of sheet pan nachos. And then, yeah, it's like, it was one of those things that was easy enough to make when I was in college when I didn't know how to cook. And so, yeah, that, that's a staple. Very good. Uh, start bench cut. <laughs> start bench and cutting more, uh, more picadors. Uh, start bench cut, Rigsy, <laughs> Reed, and Chase. Nobody cares about these except the picadors. Has anybody heard from Reed today? Yes, we'd, uh, we heard from him. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start Reed. I feel like he deserves it. After whatever happened to him last night? Yeah. Uh, what were the other two options? Uh, Briggsy and Chase. Mm. I'll bench Briggsy. I'm going to cut Chase only because I was so nice to him last episode. I said he would knock out Big Hen and the Oklahoma drill. If I have to cut somebody, I'd, it needs to be somebody that I was nice to last episode. So that's the only reason why. I'm uh, starting Chase in the starting line chat line. Nice. Benching Briggsy. And uh, cutting Reed, even though he's uh, tossed 
and can't he can't uh C and D. Yeah. Can't see in the uh ten and two. I'm with him, dude. I am too for most days. And then there's a day where I'm like, all right, we're going six and six. What am I doing? I, I keep trying to look at it objectively and not be the fan that gets caught high on the Kool-Aid. But I'm like not seeing how we're not really freaking good. Yeah. All right, I did get triggered a little bit um on by one question. You ready for this? I got a mini rant. Sure. Where do you draw the line between keeping a foul ball and giving it to a nearby kid? First of all, that kid isn't entitled to every foul ball that comes out. I've never caught a foul ball in a major league baseball game. If I catch a foul ball, I'm keeping it. Damn the kids. They'll have 30 more years, right, to catch up to me where I am. Now, if like if the situation's right, if I catch a second ball or something, I would give it to a little kid, but I would catch my first ball. And keep it. Are, are you are you down with that? Or are you giving balls to little kids just immediately? It kind of depends. So if I'm at a minor league baseball game and I don't know a single player on either roster and I catch a foul ball, it it means nothing to me. It's probably going to make the kids' day. So I'm going to – now, if I get a Josh Young home run out in the outfield, that's every man for himself. I'm shoving my mom and your mom out of the way to go get that and apologizing to nobody. So, like, a foul ball to me is kind of like, oh, yeah, here have this home run. I'm, I'm probably keeping it. Do you know who Zach Hample is? Zach Campbell? Hample. No. He's the guy that goes around and just catches home run balls. How does he do that so consistently? I don't know. He, but he, he has, like, a 100 of them. And then, like, people are like, oh, you should give it to this down and out kid right here and he's like no f them kids but he's caught like a thousand of them do you remember the guy i think it was judge's 60 second home run and they were doing like media interviews with him in the concourse and he was like real kind of smug about it like if he was going to give the ball back or give the ball to hall of fame and yeah he had this like just real kind of crap-eating grin on his face and was like, I don't know, I guess we'll see, you know, maybe what this can go for. It's like, you're probably the worst person to have caught this. Uh, question for Rob, what's your favorite Jude Law movie? Uh, King Arthur. Songs White People Have Ruined, Start Bench Cut Edition. I don't think any of these songs have been ruined, by the way. Uh, Sweet Caroline, Don't Stop Believing in Mr. Brightside. All three are bangers, so I I reject the premise of the question. Yeah. You asked two white people. Do you, do you want to start bench cut them on the basis of just being bangers? Start Mr. Brightside. Agreed. Bench Sweet Caroline. Yeah. And I'm cutting Don't Stop Believing because it's a little bit overdone. But the other two aren't. Well, I saw, I saw a take, and this is where my – we were talking about balancing – generations in family feud somebody said that mr brightside is the millennial version of don't stop believing and so i'm of course i'm like oh yeah don't stop believing is lame it's just a bunch of boomers singing that and they probably think mr brightside is stupid so have you ever walked out of a movie in the theaters yes i have too which movie did you walk out of tenacious d in the pick of destiny Never heard of it. Which I watched it years later, and I really enjoyed it. But at the time, it was really stupid, I thought. 
I walked out of one that I think it took place in like the 70s or 80s. It was a loaded cast. I think it had like Christian Bale, all these other A-list. Yeah. It's like a, American Dream or American – what is it? Hustle. American Hustle. Yeah. Yeah, I left. Really? I thought it was boring. I was like, I don't I even know what I'm doing here. Bill, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Kyle walked out of Earth 3, they say. I thought the movie sucked. And it, I'm pretty sure it like won Academy Awards that year. Yeah. It was a and I'm not – even if I'm not loving the movie, I – I think that's the only one I've ever just walked out. But I was like, this was a waste of an hour, and I'm not going to waste another hour. So I, I just left. I will say when I walked out of Pick of Destiny, I was with other people that wanted to walk out. A little peer pressure. I might have received it better uh, with a different group. Yeah. Uh, if you watch The Office, are you Team Pam or Team Karen? Um, I'm pretty pro-fidelity. And I think a lot of people just kind of gloss over that with Pam. Mm. Uh, I'm, I mean, I guess Jim and Pam wind up, you know, a really solid couple in the end. But uh, in real time, if I'm a coworker, I'll be like, wait a second, you know, you were engaged and you're kissing on some other guy. Like, that's not a good look for you. And at so the end like, with the camera guy. They didn't. Well, they flirt. Yeah, I mean, that's. Oh, flirting's not cheating. <laughs> well, that's different than. Do you want do, do a hot take? Sure. Pam is one of the worst television show characters of all time. I hate her. She's the worst. Okay. Big anti. So I'm Team Karen. I feel that way about Skyler and Breaking Bad. Oh, God. And I get a lot of heat for this because apparently some people view her as like the protagonist and like. Oh, no, no. You're in safe arms here. And, and I get that there's not like a very ethical person to root for in that right. TV series. Like if you're Team Walt or Team Jesse or. Yeah. Well, like hey. A lot of, yeah, a lot of bad hombres. Um, but yeah, I think I find Skyler very annoying in that show. It's so annoying. And uh, kind of like jeopardizes a lot of stuff. And it's like, if you want to be done with this, like be done with it. But if not, like don't sabotage it. And I don't know. Don't hurt the business. All right. Skylar and Cersei are horrible. Do you know who Queen Cersei is? No. Is that the, uh, is it Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones, yes. Yeah, I've never seen that. Uh, I have a question here written down. I'm going to read both these questions together, okay? What's your favorite eugenics song? I can't think of one aside from Sweet Dreams. And then the next question is, do you mean Eurythmics? I don't know either band, and I don't know a single song by... Well, eugenics is not a band. It's a... It's a study, right, of genetics? Yeah, I just assumed that a band named themselves after that. It's kind of Nazi of them. Isn't that where eugenics... Uh, Probably really one of the more prominent examples in human history, yeah. So, uh, aside from Sweet Dreams, I can't think of any other eurythmic songs. And I wouldn't want to be a part of a eugenic song, I don't think. 
Yeah, I don't yeah. know who the Eurythmics are. So, can you sing "Sweet Dreams"? No. Sweet dreams are made of the. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like a one-hit wonder. Uh, and maybe we're just missing the joke there. I don't know. Or maybe we might just... disagree. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which Texas company has the most stolen valor? Whataburger, Dairy Queen, or Texas Roadhouse? I'm going to push back on the premise of Dairy Queen because I don't. I think a lot of Texans assumed that that was a Texas only thing, but they've never said, like, we're at Texas. Texans Let's are just surprised to find them in other states. Yeah. So, in that sense. I'll go Texas Roadhouse because I think that was actually started in like North Dakota or somewhere totally random, like not even close to Texas. Really? That's what I like about Texas. Uh, on behalf of Swamp Donkey, how do you schedule a tweet? You have to do that online on a desktop computer or laptop. There's a little right. calendar icon can't schedule on uh, mobile is meal prepping toast the most unhinged thing big hen has ever done did you miss this no, i saw you... that i saw that yeah meal prepping toast is pretty incredible i've never seen that <laughs> yeah of course, it's... You have the blackstone out i guess you you can go ahead and make your toast for the week but yeah, so does he eat it just like room temp or like how do you reheat already toasted toast yeah is he eating cold toast which is fine. I toast is toast. Like, how do you melt the butter on it if it's room temp? Or does he just like? Well, if you if you have the room temp butter, it's spreadable. Yeah, I wonder if he meal preps his butter. Does he keep? He just has the butter out at all times. Yeah, like a stay ready so you don't have to get ready kind of situation with the butter. Of course, if you're up in time to eat toast, you generally probably have time to make toast. Yeah, toast is not it. What does that say from 90 seconds in the toaster? Yeah, well, two minutes maybe. Two minutes. Yeah, dark you want it. I think the numbers on the toaster are actually the minutes it spins. So if you want a darker toast, it's like a six minute operation. You can walk yeah. in the kitchen, start your toast, and then go back to the and get dressed. Six minutes of toast is too much. What do you, what would you, how dark do you like your toast? I'm a, I'm a dark toast guy. No, I want, I want crispy on the outside. I don't want crunchy toast though. Like oh, if I it's like... black, that's too much. If the darkest parts are like dark brown and then the rest is kind of a middle brown, that's probably, that's like a good amount of burn on the outside yeah. of the toast. I like a good ethnically ambiguous toast. Ethnically ambiguous toast. Yeah. Also, uh, Back on the sourdough wheat, white bread is what you toast with. Yeah. I, I guess wheat toast can be good, but I think white bread toast is. It's the clads to go to. Yeah. We're about to hit um, 120 minutes of us. That's a lot. Is that too many minutes of us? To some. Some people don't like us at all. Some people, one minute of us is too much. Uh, let's see. We've got an answer, uh, yes, on the meal prepping question, but um, that's the end of the meal bag. Got any final thoughts? 
Yeah, one second. I need a warning, man. I can't just. Uh... Sorry. Well, you know it's coming. Not really. Snuck up on me after two hours. You didn't think I was going to wrap this one up? No. We're going to go over 125 minutes of us today. Sweet dreams are made of thee. Have you seen the gas gas station video where the guy does karaoke at the gas station? You see that? Here's a good topical one based on this episode. It's short, but it's to the point. Crumbs are also bread. Mm. I like that. Crumbs are also bread. There's a Bible verse on this too. Hang on. Um. Yeah, scraps. Somebody's listening right now. And they're like, you know what? I've listened to this for two hours. I'm not going to sit through another minute while Kyle Duck Duck goes this. I've I did um I did a sermon on this verse one time. Yeah, it's actually. I'm not going to read like the whole passage, but uh, I feel like the individual verse doesn't tell the whole story. I'll I'll start in Matthew 15, 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know what the Pharisees were offended? Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. I'm reading the wrong. uh, I was thinking this is not going where I thought it was going. Hang on, hang on. (laughs) That's a good one too, the blind leading the blind. Yeah, no, this is right. Um, Kind of. I was just way too, like that passage. Okay, totally different story from the Bible. Yeah, I thought it was a lady. Yeah, yeah, that. Ignore that or consider it whatever, yeah. but it wasn't what I was talking about. Because uh, we're talking about breadcrumbs. Okay, here we go. My, my athletic director used to say, massage the scripture once you read it. <laughs> okay, back to the breadcrumbs. This is uh, NIV translation, by the way. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of, I'm bad at biblical pronunciations, Tyre and Sidon. Sure. Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So even crumbs are bread. Remember that. We're getting a little sermon time after two hours of us. Anybody stuck around? Yeah, Gaucho's after dark. Gaucho's after dark. 
after two hours, we start uh, preaching, getting into scripture. Sometimes even the correct scripture that we were looking for in the first place. Um, just got a text. We could talk about this on Wednesday, though. Some breaking news. The Big Ten football championship game will be played at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas in the near future. Wow. That is not going to play well with 14 of the 18 schools in that conference. That's who the text is from. You might be hammered by now. Rob, I text us you. His last, this is his last tweet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Good luck at work tomorrow, Chuck. He works from home. He's probably golfing. Probably. Uh, yeah, that... a permanent move away from Indy, but at least a couple of Vegas title games are coming, they say. Yeah, I'm pissed if I'm Penn State because nobody's going to Las Vegas for that. They'll go to Indianapolis, they'll go to Detroit, wherever you want to have it, kind of in your normal footprint. But what the heck are we doing here? Well, if uh, USC is in it, it's USC and Ohio State, that's... USC will have 90% of the fans. No, Ohio State will travel. If Ohio State's already locked into the playoff, what do they care about the Big Ten championship game? It's Vegas. I mean, yeah, it's going to be an attraction, but... Would you would you admit that fewer Ohio State fans will be there in Vegas versus if it was in Indianapolis? Well, but would more USC fans be there if it was in Vegas opposed to Indianapolis? Yeah, but what are the odds that one of those four teams out of 18 is a representative in the game? What if you have Ohio State versus Penn State in Las Vegas? What the heck are we doing? Um, a little less than 25%. No, if it's Oregon versus USC in Vegas, sure, that's awesome. But well, no. there's a very high likelihood that that won't happen. Well, they're not going to be in this. No, that's very. That's one hundred percent likely that it's not going to happen. Why? There's no divisions. They can play in the. Oh, they're not having divisions at all. No. In the Big Ten. Yeah, no pods, no divisions. Oh, I forgot that. I thought that was the ACC. They're doing that in the Big Ten too. Everybody's doing that. Oh wow. The SEC. The SEC and the Big Twelve this year will be the last ones, unless we go to a pod system. But, yeah, the, the PAC did away with it last year. They didn't have a north-south last year. The Big Ten, they have east-west now, but, like, when they go to 16 or 18, they're not going to. SEC is probably not going to now that they're at 16. I keep seeing people on Twitter. Now, hold on. New text. Big Ten spokesperson officially and categorically denies the report. Interesting. I keep Nicole Arbach. I keep seeing people on Twitter talk about how the Big 12 is likely to have divisions – and talking about like north south, no, in a in a conference that has four time zones in it, no, that that would it's not going to happen. Like even east west, there will be pods or protected rivalries, like where you play the three common opponents and rotate the rest. Yeah. All right, that was some crumbs for us, I guess. Okay. Crumbs are bread too. Crumbs are bread too, man. All right, love y'all.